This episode is brought to you by Push Messaging God's Urban Airship. They can be found at urbanairship.com and by ThinkNear. Their location score platform delivers the most accurate location targeting available on mobile. Visit them at locationscore.com. Now, on to the show. and welcome to untethered.tv i'm your host and founder rob woodbridge you know what untethered.tv is about it's about bringing you some of the companies that you've never heard of before but you will or some of the technologies that you've never heard of before but you will or simply some of the greatest entrepreneurs that you have never heard of but you will and today i'm gonna say that you're probably gonna cover all three of those my guest today is alex danko he's the co-founder of a company called backtrack and we will get into what backtrack does in one second he is in montreal i'm going to bring him in right now alex hello welcome my friend welcome 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 dual citizenship american and canadian i I like to think like maybe you're 51 percent canadian 49 percent american is that uh these days certainly is these Um, days i still have my american passport in case i get uh, kidnapped by pirates and uh, need to get a rescue going on. But I would say I would say that carrying an American passport sometimes puts you in more harm than a Canadian passport. You know, that's, could well be. I but traveled. for now, I'm hedging. Well, you know what, uh, Alex? I traveled uh, all around the world when I was uh, when I was younger, and uh, the Canadian passport and putting a Canadian flag on a bag uh, used to give you free passage anywhere on the planet. It was like that, you know, uh, aeroplane and all the air miles and you go into airports and you get into these luxurious uh, places where you could eat lots of food. And, you know, I think they call them lounges. Well, that was like what it was like to be a Canadian mission. But that's what it was like to be in a Canadian, right? Anywhere. Oh, come on. Come in, Canada. It's a good place to be. Little, uh, sorry, took you off in a different direction. But uh, welcome to Untether.tv. I really appreciate your time. Uh, And uh, I'm looking forward to this. Very much. I want to know all about your business. Um, but first, let me get this right. So Backtrack is a company, is a wearable company, but it's not a traditional wearable company. You aren't building a wrist device or a glass or something that, as you described to me, is defined by its name. Tell me what uh, Backtrack is. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you brought us in that way, Rob. Um, <laughs> we'll start at the beginning. Like- yeah, I don't like to think that we're making a wearable product. I like to think that we're building a solution to a really big problem that happens to be wearable. All right. um, so my background is in back pain research. I used to do uh, research into the neuroscience of back pain, which is one of these enormous and unappreciated problems in the world. Until you um, have a back pain, until you get old and you have a back problem, or you're a hockey player up here in Canada, there's, there's nothing but old retired hockey players who can't stand up straight. No kidding. Poor Jason Spezza, you guys. Um, No, no, I mean, people don't realize this, but back pain is actually the number one cause of work-related disability and the second greatest reason for doctor visits in North Americans under age 50. And that's a lot of people. I can believe it. Yet, in the medical conversation, both when we're talking about existing problems as well as in new ways to innovate in healthcare, back pain tends to get forgotten. You know, there are a lot of other important problems that we're solving too, but we decided to focus on back pain is where we really wanted to make a difference. You know, it's funny because um, I used to play baseball when I was a little bit younger, and um, my my warm up to play baseball was uh, two Advil and a maximum strength uh, Robax set, Robax, right? That was that was my that was my warm up. Can you imagine what I did after the game? 
Yeah, yeah. And I can only guess. But but so you know, this has got to there's got to be a backstory here because you go to school to learn about this, right? So that's what you is that what you went to school for in Montreal? You go, my undergrad was in physiology at McGill University, okay. which is mostly full of pre med kids and me. Right. And I ended up going off to grad school because I wanted to do research, and I ended up in a fantastic lab, the uh, Laura Stone's lab at McGill, where we did research on chronic pain. And we did some very neat stuff looking about how exercise and movement and activity is so, so important for people with back pain. And yet, I got a little bit frustrated. I wanted to actually build something to help people that I felt wasn't there. So after I finished with my master's, uh, a couple of months later, uh, I met the guy who ended up being my co-founder, Alex Daskalov. We found that we were both interested in very similar problems. So we decided, you know what? Let's actually go build this. Let's start a company. And that's how Backdrop was born. You know, it seems like a, a, a such a niche product, right? You know, like that it's so, I, I know that back pain is mm -hmm. pervasive. Everybody you talk to right now, look around mm -hmm. wherever you are on the bus or at the office, somebody is suffering from back pain right in front of you and you know it. And mm -hmm. we've all been there. But it, it's not one of the things that I immediately gravitate towards, you know, uh, technology and putting something on my back and, and learning about my pain as a result of this combination between a wearable device and, and a smartphone. So mm -hmm. what was the aha moment for you that made you realize that there might be something here? Well, that's, uh, that's a great question. There was, in fact, one moment of clarity, as I like to think of it, <laughs> yes. where we were all at, at one of my thesis committees. We were all sitting around you know, this table arguing about how important our research was. And at some point I realized, you know what? The big problem here is not all the research we're doing. The problem is that people don't have a tool to actually help them visualize whether they're recovering and whether they're making progress and whether their movement is changing as a result of any of the effort that they're putting into their rehab and any of their physiotherapy. All the research we're doing is worth nothing if people don't actually see the value and the care that they're getting when they go through rehab for back pain. So that's when something clued in, like, you know, Maybe if you built a product that helped people actually see the fruits of their labors, you might unlock a whole new level of potential in terms of how we can reach these people who are suffering from back pain. You know, every once in a while I suffer from back pain, right? It's oh. true. I have twin boys. They're eight. They're getting heavy. I'm oh. 44. I'm getting older, right? Everything seems a little bit heavy. Um, but I do the old Rocky style, right? So <laughs> what I, I just grin and I bear it. And, I, and I, what I, I don't deviate from my routine very much. And I'm pretty sure that I do some serious damage. So walk me through, I'm a guy that's suffering from back pain. What does your product do? What does Backtrack so, do? What Backtrack does and what we're trying to accomplish with our whole strategy moving forward is that, let's say, let's say I'm you. I have two eight-year-old twin boys and I- Good luck. They're yours. I, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. You're working on them. <laughs> Throw on my back and I go to the physiotherapist and I say, hey, I got back pain. They say, yep, we see a lot of people like you. You know, here's some exercises to do. You know, good luck. You're, you're on your- yeah, you're right. Carry on in the way that millions of other people do. So you go home. You're you're pretty motivated. You say, "Oh, my back hurts. I want to get better." And then you do your exercises. And then the problem is, rehab is hard because there's a lot of delayed gratification involved. Right? You do all this work. You put in your this effort to do your exercises, but you don't get better immediately. Right? You don't get that. All right, everything's better now. Yep. It takes time. And when people have to put in effort into something that takes time and you can't actually see the result of anything that's happening, you, 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 you lose faith, you quit, you drop out of your rehab program, you don't actually follow through with all those exercises. And that's a big problem because when people don't follow through with that preventative rehab, you know, when your back hurts a little bit, you just gotta get back on track. When you don't do that, 
then the real problems start happening. You become disabled, you start getting permanent back problems, you end up costing the system a lot of money. That's where the real problems start. So what we're building Backtrack to do is to give patients a way to actually see their recovery with their own eyes in front of them every day so they can follow their recovery and see how their movement is changing. Then when they go work with their physiotherapist, they can see, oh, I used to be here, now I'm here. This is good, but I still have to work on these other things. Let's move forward. You can actually use real numbers and real metrics rather than guessing and recall. So this is something that actually attaches to your back. Is it like a, is it like a sticker? Is it like a, the heat pad that I've used many times? Uh, how, how, does it, how does this device work on your back? So right now, the first prototypes that we've built, you can think of them like as a big patch yep. that you wear, almost like a large band-aid that you put on and keeps track of how you move and how your back is moving, what shape your back is taking through space during the day. Um, you can almost think of it as if you're wearing something that is watching you move as a shape through space, which is an interesting and new way to think about movement. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, if you look at all the fitness trackers and wearables that are out there, you think of the wristbands especially, they see you moving around the world kind of like a point on a screen that slides around and that's perfectly adequate if you want to know how your workout is going. But for the purposes of tracking your movement and understanding your recovery, that's just not good enough. No, we're not points. We're shapes. So backtrack pretty rigid. that way. Yeah. So, so but it it's, it's literally sticks on your back? Is that what it does? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So right now we're using, to, for uh, since, since we're still early stage, we're yeah. using, uh, I don't know if you remember Kinesio tape, that sure. tape that all those yep. Olympic athletes were wearing at uh, the London Games especially. Yep. We're using that stuff because it's really flexible, comfortable, easy to wear. And it sticks. Um, and it sticks. It sticks really well. Um, so for people who you know have kind of hairy backs like me, sometimes you got a little bit of, bit of that going on. But other than that, it works very well. So as we move forward and as we start to you know sell these in volume, we're going to be working on our own adhesive solutions. But for now, we're bothering. We're borrowing one that works pretty well. And so in that in that uh, pad that's on your back, um, mm -hmm. that, that's stuck on your back. Obviously, a bunch of sensors. Are these suction cups? Are this this is a Bluetooth-enabled something that connects with your phone? Walk. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Yeah. So here here's the walkthrough. Um, yep. So on your back, you've got a collection of accelerometers and gyroscopes, which are arranged together in series to actually show you how your back is moving as a shape. You know, each sensor in relation to chip to each other gives you an idea of how you're moving. And then from there, that data is sent over to your phone over Bluetooth, and then on your phone can do some of the heavy lifting in terms of figure out what you're actually doing, how you're moving, how that movement is different than yesterday or the week before or the month before. And so on the phone, like, and so you're taking these, these, this movement and you're displaying it in a way that a layman can understand it on the phone. Yeah, so that's part of, part of the, the most challenging and the most fun part about this is in figuring out how can you show movement in a way that is easy for idiots like us to understand, but also useful for a physiotherapist or a professional or somebody who's actually helping you through your rehab to do meaningful things with. So, so do, do you get a score? I mean, there's the ultimate, the end game is like I'm at 60 and then I want to get to 70 because I've never understood. I mean, I've, mm. I've been to physiotherapy many times for different parts of my body. And, mm. and uh, you know, although I don't feel, you know, it, it's so slow because it's the human body mm. and it's a muscle right. or it's a tendon or something, right? Mm. So I don't, I don't feel that it's, I'm getting anywhere. But, you know, every time I go there and I go through the hookups and, they, you know, they put stu suction cups on my arm or whatever it might be, mm. I, you know, the, the doctor, the physiotherapist says, yeah, yeah, you know, we're, we're improving and I don't feel it. 
So, right. So, and I keep saying like, so how do you quantify that? Am I 60% there? Am I 40% there? And when can I lift that weight? When can I do that thing? And there's never a definitive answer. So do you guys give us like a number? Mm-hmm. Well, so you're, you're, you've hit on something that's really important here, which is that kind of the holy grail of consumer health is to be able to kind of gamify and give numbers, and give you scores, and everybody's all up on numbers that are actionable. And You're about da- to refute that whole thing, aren't you? The, well, the danger there is that if you go too far, you turn into these sort of these catch-all, like your score today was 55, and we want to get you to 70, and you risk oversimplifying too much. Yeah. Um, We want to try to hit the right balance between being scientifically rigorous and making sure that you're looking at data that is still meaningful in a rehab context, but also as simple and possible to digest. So how do you Um, do that? How do you do do that? I know that's your secret sauce, mm -hmm. right? But, but, you know, it's it's very interesting to me because, uh, you know, on one one side, I'm a guy who likes progress, right? Is mm -hmm. that I look at numbers all day. I look at untethered.tv analytics and data that comes in and I say that, okay, that's higher than yesterday. That's good. Mm -hmm. So I'm moving forward. I'm going to share you a little bit of our secret sauce here today just for untethered.tv listeners. Sweet. Bring it. So I'm going to share you a little secret about human movement. That's something that's very, very cool. And it's called complexity of movement as a concept. So... When people are young and healthy and moving around really well, Damn your movement has what you call a high degree of complexity. It's very fluid, it's very rich, and if you look at some of the math behind it, I don't know if, if you know what fractals are, but they have a very high fractal signature. It's very, very complex and beautiful and mathematically elegant. And as people slow down and they get old and their backs hurt and they get injured, they start moving a little bit more like robots. Right? You, you see these people all over. They're walking a little bit funny. They look a little bit awkward. They don't look like they're walking totally healthily. They're not moving in a way that's very fluid or smooth. And that's what happens when your movement gets rigid and stereotyped. You lose that complexity of movement. What's cool is that as people recover and get back to health, if you do your exercises and your rehab properly, that comes back. You can absolutely recover that fluidity and complexity of movement. And it's a very good leading indicator of whether your rehab is actually helping you and whether you're actually making progress. So part of what we're trying to show with Backtrack is to give you an idea of, hey, how complex is your movement today? Are you getting back to that fluidity and agility and dexterity of movement that you used to have but you may have lost because of your back pain? That's part of what we're trying to show. You know, what's fascinating about this kind of stuff you know, is is the the ability the ability to catalog now. So if you're a kid or you're younger, growing up in this age or the next age, like we're at the very beginning of this, whatever human computer, I don't you know mashup that's happening. Because I don't want to yeah. call it wearables. I don't want to offend what yeah, you're yeah. doing with wearables. Right? Kids today, kids born today will never see a pixel. But they won't. But but they'll also be able to have a a baseline understanding of their health. Right. Mm-hmm. So when when my kids are old enough and, I, you know, whatever they get strapped into or, you know, the, the mesh or, or um, shirts with sensors on or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Right. Is that yeah. any, they're going to have a baseline for when they're maybe 11 or 12 years old of mm-hmm. their metabolic metabolic baseline. Right. So their health mm-hmm. baseline when they're 12. And so you, they're going to have this data that they're going to be able to benchmark against as they age and as they go through this process of aging, which is not graceful yeah. sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's fascinating to me. Like, do you think about that? Is that, you know, the data that you're collecting today from somebody who's 30, they're going to mm-hmm. go back to it when they're 40 and have a back pain and they'll be able to see the disparity between the two or hopefully the similarities mm-hmm. between the two if you've kept in shape. 
Oh, that, that, that's exactly right. It's very important. Um, something that we know from rehab and from a lot of other applications of comparing people and looking at progress is that everybody is different, right? I'm different from you, is different from your neighbor, is different from your kids, right? It's a lot more useful to be able to compare someone to where they were yesterday or where they were last year or where they were 10 years ago instead of comparing them to some generic population marker. I agree. But today, you know, in the past, we haven't had good ways of actually tracking metrics about people over time because we didn't walk around with these supercomputers in our pockets, right, which we now have, right? Now, when you start collecting data by default, you can start looking at those trends over time and see those similarities and those differences and be able to spot things earlier than you otherwise would have been able to. Do you think that that's what's, that's what's going to happen is because we'll have a baseline of data of our own data, our mm -hmm. our own data, not just a, a general kind of right. you know amalgamation of everybody else's data, but your own. Yeah. That mm -hmm. that we will be able to spot anomalies before they start to hurt. So like at some point you'll be able to predict that you know what if you continue down this path or if you don't get this treated right now, this is going to happen. Your back is going to be in serious pain. So you got to alter your shoes. You got to raise your arch. You got to do something that is going oh. to affect how how you uh, how you move. You get a point where you guys are predicting this pain, this behavior, mm -hmm. this. Well, pre prediction is hard because anytime you make a prediction, it has to be done to some degree of certainty, right? You know, anybody who reads Nate Silver or uh, you know go, goes on on those blogs about statistics and prediction knows that you can never predict something absolutely. Yep. But where we're going to make a ton of progress in the next ten years in digital health is that today and in the past, when you want to predict whether somebody is going to go a certain way, you can only compare them to the population generally where you, you probably lie on some sort of continuum and say, oh, well, you're over here, but maybe you're over here and you don't really know. The difference is that now, moving forward, we'll be able to say, you used to be here and now you are here. Those are absolute numbers. And then you can say with a much greater degree of confidence, you should probably stop sitting so much or you, know, you should probably do these healthy activities. All right. So... I, I mean, that's that's the piece that fascinates me about this whole thing is that, you, you know, my, everything that you do is now being documented or will be documented. Right. Like I, all my sleep has been is being a catalog for me right now. All of my heart rate when I wake up in the morning, when I go to sleep at night and all the steps that I take all day. And these are just quantified metrics that mm. may or may not have any impact. Um, you know, the, the poundage that I lift, the, the amount of weights that I lift, the, the, you know, the distance that I run, right? The, the pressure that it puts on my legs and then and on my knees. And so I know this, I get this picture of, of sort of, of, of who I am from a data, from a body data, data perspective. And then you, mm -hmm. you guys come along, which is a very unique piece of technology for a very unique circumstance. Um, do you think that what you guys are building, or do you think that it's, do you think what you guys are building is the beginning of a trend, which is not the, I'm gonna wear it every day, not the, you know, what we see right now in wearables, which are wrist bound or face bound or, uh, you know, ankle bound, I don't know, right? Whatever it mm -hmm. is, but the idea is that you wear it all the time. But yours, you don't. Or would you? See, I, I really hope so in terms of where I think you're going with this. Is that I don't know where I'm going with this, man. I need some help. Get me well, out of this. The, the quantified self-movement that you hinted at is yeah. this whole new idea of what if we could measure everything about ourselves, yeah. right? What would we do differently? What could we do better if we knew everything? This is one of these awesome movements in search of problems to solve, oh, sure. where they had this yep. great idea, and now it's like, all right, now let's go make a difference in real-world applications. Well, you want to know a really, really big real-world market that is in need of some quantified self? It's rehab. It's the physical therapy and rehabilitation community, where 
knowing information about what you're doing and what progress you've been making can make all the difference between a successful recovery and a failed one. I think the question of is the, are these going to be tools that we wear every day? You know, are we going to be covered in sensors in the future that we always take off? I don't know. Honestly, I don't really care because I don't think the future of wearables is going to be defined by how we wear things. It's going to be defined by the problems that we can now solve that we couldn't solve before that are enabled by these awesome new wearable technologies that we have. So that's really what we're trying to do with Backtrack. It's not trying to build something else that you wear all the time. It's being able to say, hey, that problem that you couldn't solve before, we got you. I like that approach. I like that approach a lot because, uh, you know, I, 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 I have very specific requirements for very specific things. Like when I'm running, I, I, I'd like to know my distance or, or, or you know, the, the, the distance that I've traveled or the location that I've run to. But for this, when it comes to chronic pain, I would like to have something that helps me understand what the pain is, works me through that pain, and then I can take it off and put it on the shelf over here for a little while until that pain, should it recover, I can actually pull it back on again and, and, and do what I need to do. There was a company that I interviewed a, a while back. It was um, a company called Sense. And they built all of these, uh, you know, basically they're uh, low energy Bluetooth, you know, um, yep. sensors that you put on uh, on things. So it's called the, the the service is called Mother. And what he, what uh, what they said to me, his name is Rafi, who put who who's building building the company. He said, look, I don't believe that you need to understand, uh, you know, how many steps you take every day. But uh, I I do believe that for 15 days you need to know how many steps you take so that you can mm -hmm. modify your behavior so you you walk more or less or whatever you might do. And then after those 15 days, you should be able to not have to wear that thing and put it onto something else. And then you know, you know, uh, he, he used the example of making your kids brush brush their teeth for reward. Mm -hmm. So put them on the toothbrush. And then when they've changed their behavior, move to the next thing and the next right. thing. And that's what I see here is that this is this is a a, a temporary piece to a huge problem mm -hmm. that will help. Um, but but it also becomes a hindrance because you know how do you guys go out and sell this uh, as a as a temporary technology for somebody to uh, you know to alleviate a back pain? Ah, well, you're hitting on some of the deep dark secrets of our business model, yes. which I'll need to get all of you listeners to sign the NDA. <laughs> NDA right now? Yeah, NDA right mail. now. Go, it's all you guys now go check your email. Yeah. We'll wait. Um, no, so. Although we're building Backtrack with the end users very much in mind, because honestly, if you know, if uh, patients hate this thing, they're not going to use it in right. the first place. But ultimately, our end customers are not the patients themselves; they're the clinics that they see and the payers who are paying for their healthcare. Okay. We want to be able to go to clinics and payers and say, "Hey, this thing is actually making people a lot healthier and saving a lot of money in the long run in terms of people's overall health, fitness, and lack of disability." Right. This should not be. This should not be something that customers have to pay for. This should be something that your health insurance pays for because it's going to save them a lot of money in the long run. Does that frighten you? Like uh, you're a Canadian. You're from <laughs> Canada. You've been here for eight years. You understand the the pain and the challenge of getting into that business and selling into those entities, right? So, mm. oh, uh, it's 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 going to be quite intimidating. But I think this is a difficult step that you have to take. Right? You have to do the hard thing if you want to actually make a big difference. Um, make cons you know consumer-oriented healthcare and making you know quantified self devices are an excellent way to iterate on a product and get feedback and information about what people like and what people don't like. But at some point, you have to take that information and build a product with it that the medical system can use. I wonder if you throw in a couple of like gyroscopes in there for massage. It would be great as well if you could. You know, sure. Yeah. I did a big joke. Um, <laughs> challenges here obviously are many, right? So you have to build something that somebody can put on in the right spot, 
right? Mm-hmm. A human has to be able to put on, and it has to be able to collect the right in, right data. I mean, how? Do, talk about the, the the prototypes that you guys have built of the of the thing that goes on the back. What's been the biggest challenge there? So uh, our prototyping season was this past summer, where we went through a lot of different versions of how could this thing stick, how could you wear it, how do you put it on, and. We had to, one of the big obstacles to us was the fact that we are a group of people who move a certain way, but a lot of our customers might not be as mobile as us. They might have a more difficult time reaching around to their back or something like that. So we've had to work with a lot of physical therapists and clinicians and other people who have interesting viewpoints into this problem. And in the end, one of the, one of the technological features that saved us is the fact that accelerometers and gyroscopes are actually fairly tolerant of being placed in slightly off ways. They know which way is down. They know which way you move. You can get away with a little bit of you know shifts in placement. And conveniently, your back is also this very easy to find straight line that people can locate. So between all of that, I think we should be in okay shape. I think what's very important with Backtrack is that when people use this, ultimately, they do so in a context working with a clinician or a physiotherapist who can show you from the beginning the right way to use it and the wrong way to use it. Make sure that you start on track from the first day. And then it synchronizes with your smartphone, your device? Yep. Into an app that you guys have built? Yeah, we are we're building that app currently right now. Yeah. Um, and then the goal there is to is to be able to display, but also to be able to share this information with the physiotherapist at some point, to send it automatically, or is it just a in-person consult? Uh, that's the goal. Uh, right now, um, there's, there, there are two ways where this can make a difference. One is just with you personally being able to see your movement and that progress is very important, regardless of who you're seeing for clinical treatment. The second version where this is important is in the clinical context, where then you can go to your weekly visit and they can show you things like, hey, you actually walked for 30 minutes these couple days without it hurting at all. This is really good to know. Or, hey, it looks like you're still having problems in the evening. Maybe we can show you some exercises to work on that and add some information into the picture. Um, do, you ever the think, do you ever think that, that, that I mean, it just, it's also the way that we live as, as human beings, mm-hmm. right? We, we become pretty sedentary when it comes to the, the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then we, we get home after a sedentary day, and then we sit into a very comfortable couch and become mm-hmm. even more sedentary in front of a television set. Right. And I, I wonder if, like, do you ever think that maybe it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it'll shock you into standing up. Like, is that a good idea? Like, is that a good idea? I mean, there are, there are some other products out there who are trying to do similar things. If you look at uh, the guys at Lumo, for instance, they built the Lumo back and the Lumo lift, which yep. is a cool little, like it's, one's a belt and one's a clip that you wear that uh, it vibrates when you're slouching and says, you know, yep. stand up more or, you know, sit up more. That's one approach that's really useful. And I really look forward to seeing them be successful. I think that's a great approach to help people change their behavior. We're after a slightly different problem, which is um, on a slightly different lens, is the fact that our employers pay for us to sit all day. Then they pay again for us to go to the physiotherapist and get therapy. Then they pay in the big time when we don't get any better and become disabled people. Right. And yet they're totally okay with there not being any recovery metrics anywhere in there where you can hold specific parts of this accountable. That's a weird problem to us. So we thought, you know what, something needs to change both at the individual level and at the system level to really tackle this. Did you did you think about that going into this? Did you think about that because it's true? It's like mm-hmm. I can I can go to physiotherapy and I can I can go through this pain and I can go through the recovery and my employer in theory would pay, which is mm-hmm. me anyways. 
Yeah. But my, my employer would pay, and then I, I could have that same problem a month from now because although the problem was fixed, the behavior that caused that problem has not changed. No, it really hasn't, right? It's and you, the, one of the frustrating parts about back pain and physical therapy is you can take a whole bunch of normal middle-aged people who are you know, at very high risk for back pain, and unless you actually change the dynamics by which people seek recovery and get treatment and recover, you're just gonna end up with more of the same later. But so how do you right? change that? Like, you know, it, it seems like there's two problems here. Obviously is the one is, is recovery, is, is visualizing recovery and making sure that you can see what you're doing is actually getting you down to this path of, of fixing the problem, which is back pain. Mm -hmm. And then the second one, of course, is, is, that, is the, the challenge around, very simply, not doing the behavior that put you into that position at the, at, at, at the, at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So do you guys, are you guys going to be able to help on that side as well? We sure hope so. Yeah. Um, and again, part of what makes this problem difficult is that everybody is different, yeah. right? You cannot generalize to specific people because you're not going to be helpful that way. And this is where really the power of, you know, uh, I hate to use the big data term because I think that everybody uses it, but I'm going to use it. This is where big data can be really helpful, where you can actually look at what individual people are doing in a larger context and say, you know what, it looks like that person is following this path, this path, they should probably get this recommendation. Where five years ago, we could not do that. But today, yeah, we're starting to. You know, I, I this this stuff always, always amazes me. Like, I, you know, because I think about how blind our doctors are today. And I mean that with all the, like the most amount, greatest amount of respect I can ever imagine, right? Is that it's, it is exactly as you said, there's an hypothesis of a challenge, right? This could be your problem. We're going to do a bunch of tests. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to rule out all of the things out until we find the thing that is, is ailing you. And, and, uh, you know, doctors jobs are all about that. And I remember the very first time my doctor who's since retired, um, came in with a Palm pilot. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I described a symptom to him and he's like, yep, 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 yep. You know, he typed in the symptoms and he and he, uh, he jotted them in and then he came up with, you know, four or five things to test mm -hmm. to see what what, you know, these symptoms might be as a result of. And and I thought, wow, like that is, you know, you as a 68 year old man, that is amazing. Like you are using technology to your fullest, but still he's running blind. And now kind of 15 years past that time. Uh, what we're talking about now are people attaching things to their bodies. You know, Tim mm. Ferriss swallowing things in order to be able to see, you know, the impact of things or getting, you know, implants to, to see the impact of these things and, and giving doctors much more data. And I wonder if they sit back and they're like, oh, crap. Like, I, I was, I've been wrong my whole life about this thing, right? The revelation mm. happens. But this must be a great time for, for this industry because mm. visibility... Uh, like the fog of war is being lifted when it comes to health as a result of this. Mm. Do you think? Uh, I, I, sh I sure hope so. Um, I think there is there, the, the optimistic view that you can take here is that the ability to monitor everything about ourselves is going to completely change the way that we approach health in general, right? Health shouldn't, the, the purpose of healthcare shouldn't be to make us better when we're sick, it's to make us healthy, right? right? That's why we call it healthcare, not disease care, yep. right? Yep. Um, on the other hand, I think we really have to be careful. I just have to interrupt there. Just uh, up in Canada, we call that healthcare because we have it, right? <laughs> That's what it's it's ubiquitous. It's High a blanket. Five. Exactly. Canadians, yeah. So carry on. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just had to explain. Yes. About healthcare. To up in the enlightened countries. Yes. 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 Ubiquitous um, healthcare across the country. 
Yes. I think where we have to be careful is that we don't drown in the sea of information and start focusing on the wrong things. Sure. Um, it's going to be, I think, the role of the physician in the future, I think, is going to be, they're going to continue to be the guardians of people's health, but it's going to be in a very different way than they used to be. In the 20th century, it mattered because they knew things that most people didn't. In the 21st century, everybody has the internet, everybody has WebMD, everybody's going to have wearable trackers that say everything. The role of the physician, I think, is going to be the sifter of the information and the curator of the information. People who have the perspective to be able to say, yes, there's all this noise out here, but let me show you the signal that you should be paying attention to because that's what's going to matter for you in one, two, five years. God, see, that changes the role, though, don't you think? Does that change the way that medicine is taught as a result of what we're wearing on our bodies now? I think I'm, I have a, a little window into this in that my girlfriend is currently in medical school, and it's really interesting to see the ways where they are adapting and saying, you know, you don't need to memorize, you don't need to carry around this information with you anymore because you all have iPhones, right? You can look things up. And yet, the role of a physician and of a healer has gotten more important in the ability to have perspective, to know what's important and what's not important, I think is going to be even more important in the digital age. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder, we're way off topic here, but it's very interesting around this, around this, this concept of not, not self-diagnoses, but, but leveraging this technology so you have a little bit more of an understanding. And, and, uh, but I, I hope that what it doesn't do is, is make people forget about how to make decisions, right? So mm. I, I find I'm guilty of this as anything. I said, I'm, I'm lazy brain. Right. So when I when I want to find something, I, you know, I, I don't want to go through that process of thinking about the answer mm. to that question. So it say it's a, a trivia question about a movie and an actor. I'm like, you know, I type in three words and I can get it on Google. Right. I don't have to tap yeah. the back of my brain to pull that information out. And, and uh, it's just there. It's just there. So, you, you know, so I'm 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 kind of, you know, I'm, I'm so pro technology. I think that, you know, mm-hmm. you strap me up, put me in a suit. I don't care. Figure out what's wrong with me with technology and then tell me what to do. Um, but, but the challenge also is that I'm also on the other side is that, you know what, I also don't want you to come to a snap judgment. I don't want you to not think about the decision that you're about to make. I don't want you to just type into th- as a doctor mm-hmm. or as a physiotherapist. Yeah. I don't want you to just type three words into a Google search bar and give mm-hmm. me my, uh, you know, uh, you know, diag- diagnose what's wrong with me. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do you see that? Like, are you, are you worried about that? Well, here's where I think, I think you a lot of people who I think are hopeful in a misguided sense, think that computers and AI are gonna take over healthcare, are gonna make all the decisions and say, you know, why do we, why are we paying doctors anymore when an algorithm can make the decision just as well? Yikes. It's like, no, you don't understand. Algorithms are going to be so tremendously helpful, but not in the way that you think. Algorithms are gonna be helpful so that doctors can offload all of that and focus on actually being the people with the perspective to know the right questions to ask, yes. right? Right? Yeah. That, that's what's going to be so important, right? Machines are not going to replace the professionals in the healthcare system. Hopefully, they will augment them in a way that makes us all healthier and makes healthcare easier for everybody. But yeah. don't count on your healthcare professional being replaced by a robot anytime soon. That's not going to happen. Uh, that, that's, that's, uh, I'm okay with that. And mm-hmm. you shouldn't be using Google as a diagnosis tool. I'm just putting that out there as well. Nope. Go, go see a doctor. Uh, Use it to be informed, not to make decisions about Exactly, because you know what? When my <laughs> yeah. kids get like just a simple fever and I jump onto WebMD and I'm like, oh God, I can't believe my kid has dengue fever. 
I, mean, I gotta, you know, it's Ebola. It is one hundred percent, and yeah. and but it, we all we've all been through that, and and the key is mm-hmm. just to stay offline and call your health professional. Um, and I always love this, and this is a total sidebar. Is that you say you're, you're going through your f- scroll on Facebook every once in a while, you log on and, and you pull up to Facebook, and it's like a, a concerned parent, and maybe you don't have this yet, but I've had parents like. My daughter's had a, you know, a temperature of 104 for the last 48 hours. Should I go to the hospital? Like, don't ask Facebook. Go and do something. Call a doctor, right? That's the whole goal, right? Seems ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, so challenges. So you guys have gone into this. Um, what do you hope happens as a result of this? Like, you've got, you've got a, a, a you're selling to health practitioners, you're selling to potentially government, you're selling to subsidized entities, um, you're not selling direct to consumers, so that's good. You hit a basically the hub instead of a spoke. But, but I mean, what do you hope, how, how does this roll out for you guys in the next bunch of months? Do you go well, funding? Do you go find funding? Uh, we will be looking for funding shortly. Oh, um, sorry. We, we will be doing some of that soon, but in the shorter term, we're actually preparing a Kickstarter that by the time, hey audience, you see this, will be live, so you can go check us out, where we're actually releasing the sensor to people who are interested, who want to try it on as early users, and they can give us feedback about it. Sweet. So you can go check us out on Kickstarter right now. Uh, the project is called Backtrack. Um, hopefully by the time you read this, we will have passed our funding goal, and we will have made all of our money. And if not... I'm looking at you to go help us make it. Right. Turn around and go um, and do this. Go and, go and yeah. help. Uh, then once those are out there, it's going to be a whole lot of learning for us. Is stepping back, looking at the way that our early users actually interact with this product, looking at the way that they see it, the way that they put it on, what they love about it, what they hate about it, and then act accordingly. Do some iteration. Step back. Be thoughtful for a little bit. Uh, in the longer run, what we're really interested in is not so much in the devices, is in doing intelligent things with the data that comes out of the devices. Uh, I think uh, Tim Chang had a post on TechCrunch a while back, uh, essentially saying, if you're a wearable company, you need to prepare for the day that the wearable device you're making becomes completely commoditized. Right? What are you going to do then? Well, we're preparing for that already because what we really want to be making is not actually the wearable, it's the solution that comes with the wearable. It's the ability to take that data and do the machine learning, do the artificial intelligence, do the processing on that data that turns it just from raw movement into useful, actionable items. Why, That's so what we care about. Why build something and why not just work with some of the uh, manufacturers, some of the guys that are doing clothing or sports athletic clothing that, that you could actually just tie into their existing, um, I don't know, infrastructure and then just pull the data you need out to be able to do what you want to do. So why, why build a product? Why build hardware? Well, sometimes you have to do the hard thing in order to figure out what the problems to solve are. Um, we looked or we certainly thought about that, right? When we set out to solve this problem, we are approaching it from the perspective of what could we use? You know, who could we partner with? What products could we use to address this? And we ended up concluding, you know what? The best thing to do is actually going to build it ourselves and then try to see how we can fit that solution into other existing ecosystems. So do you see so, at some point, like you, you kind of figuring out like through an API or something that enables that you can actually open this up to other manufacturers of products? Oh, yes. So we're going to be, the product that we're releasing on Kickstarter, as well as our future products we're going to be releasing, are going to be open API SDK products so that anybody can tap into them and actually do things with the information that's coming out of Backtrack. Right? We recognize that this is a tool that's more than just a back pain tool, is really a shape sensing tool. It's a movement sensing tool. It's a recovery tool. And if you have an idea of what you want to do with that, by all means, please go ahead. 
Um, one way that we want to encourage this is that as a part of our Kickstarter campaign, we're setting up a public movement database where anybody who is using Backtrack can post their movement so that other people can look at it. And anybody who wants to make a new project with shape sensing and movement sensing can post that project so that other people can contribute movement. And hopefully this will take off into a little ecosystem where people can actually share what they're working on and give each other the data to do little science experiments. I think it would be kind of cool. Let me put my commercial hat on for a second. So how do you, how do you, is there any commercial gain for you out of this? Is it the data that you would be collecting that you'd be interested in from this, from that perspective? Uh, the, the, the purely commercial gain for us is that this helps us make a better product. Okay. That's it. This so it's is refining. It's, re, it's refining. It's looking at the data. It's looking at how people are using this data, looking at what they stumble on, putting what we stumble on in context. It helps us make a better thing. Really. So there's, no, there's no big data spying going on here. This is purely in our self-interest in the long run. So it's kind of like the uh, the Netflix recommendation engine, right? As a result sure. of usage, like that's equivalent to it. So yeah, I guess. Well, I, I mean, I'm very interested, mm -hmm. you know, Alex, to come back to you after the Kickstarter and to see how things have gone with Kickstarter in a couple of quarters, um, and That'd to see how far along you are in the product development, and and to see what kind of, you know, uh, you know, in retrospect, um, things that you would have done right, things mm -hmm. that you would have done improperly, things that you would Absolutely. do a little bit better. Um, and then hopefully a, a, a good news story coming out of Montreal mm -hmm. uh, with what you guys are doing with uh, with Backtrack. Where, where should we send people right now to find some more information about you guys? Right now you can go to our website, which is www.backtrackware.com. That's okay. backtrackware.com, where you can find a link to our Kickstarter. Or you can just Google us, Backtrack on Kickstarter, and you'll get to us. Yeah, so go and support them. If this is something that is of interest, I'm, I'm very interested in this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I'm physically active, and uh, with physical activity comes a lot of, well, sometimes, considerable physical pain. Um, mm -hmm. I thought that you were supposed to, you know, avoid pain. I talked to friends who don't work out, and they're like, oh, I'm not in pain. And I walk around like a hobbled old man, and, and I work out <laughs> six times a week, right? So, uh, it's maybe the curse I'm, of the weekend warrior. Yeah, exactly. Well... I am not that. My weekend is recovery. <laughs> it's an attraction <laughs> on the weekend. So this is of great interest to me. And I've interviewed a couple of companies that I think are very fascinating. Single-use products. It's not about tracking everything in your body. It's not about you know putting it on your wrist and, and going and uh, you know tracking steps and sleep and all those kind of things. And I, I interviewed another company that actually did uh, just a, a basically a, a wearable device that goes around your thigh that is uh, for cyclists to make sure that they're putting equal amount of pressure on the up oh, cool. cycle as the down that. cycle. Because that they understand, awesome. right? But it's single yeah. use, just like you guys. So I'm, again, it's not about what you're measuring; it's about what you're solving. Exactly. Right. And these solve guys solve something. the pain. And and yeah. so I'm I'm fascinated by this. But if you are as well, follow these guys, backtrackware.com, or just and 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 if you're interested in investing, and, and this is still within that period of time, uh, please just take a look at them on on Kickstarter. Just as as uh, Alex said, just search backtrack and Kickstarter, and you will find them. Alex, man. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate this. And I'm excited about what you guys are doing. I can't wait to have this conversation in a couple of quarters to see how things are going. Rob, thanks so much for having me on Untether.tv. This has been awesome. And I really look forward to catching you up once the dust, once the dust settles and we can talk about what went right, what went wrong, and where we're moving forward. I love it because I caught you at the beginning. I love it because this is the best time to catch a company. So thank you, Alex. Uh, live from Montreal. Uh, we've been speaking with Alex Danko, who's a co-founder of a company called Backtrack. Go to Backtrack Where. You guys out there, sit up straight. Get out of your seat. Go for a walk. Do something.
But listen, take Untether.tv with you. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you would actually get your podcasts or come to the website Untether.tv. Subscribe to the mailing list if you haven't already. You'll get this stuff in your inbox every day. It will be a reminder for you guys to actually get up and do something. Take these 40-minute episodes and go for a walk. That's all the advice I can give you. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time on Untether.tv. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, Rob.